What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? That you, as you forgive, so are you forgiven. So in that process of forgiving, you are allowing the grace to come in to that action of forgiving another or for forgiving yourself. And then the grace can participate with you so that you are forgiven, that it truly is released. And it's a grace action that does that. And God gave us a great avenue of understanding in the very simple prayer that we first move the energy ourselves by forgiving, forgiving others, forgiving ourselves, forgiving God. And that as we put that energy into motion, what we get is the action resolved through God coming in through that grace action and participating in that forgiveness. In truth, God doesn't have to forgive anything. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to forgive anything because there's nothing to forgive. It's all opportunity of learning. And so if you can look and see whatever it is in your body or your consciousness, that it's there as an understanding that has been misunderstood, an expression that has been mis misexpressed. And all you want to do is just bring it into balance. Now there's a chance that this is a lifelong experience, that you placed it in such a way that it truly is a lifelong experience. This is you knew that this was there when you were younger. It wasn't a pain then, but it was there energetically. So this may be something that you were really born with, and maybe something that you, at your last breath, are going, well, at least I'm getting away from you. <laughs> and that may be the case. There are some lifelong karmas that are physical in nature, that are imaginational in nature, emotional in nature, mental in nature, that we may have to live with throughout all of our existence in, in one lifetime. So then we move into a new level of acceptance a new level of forgiveness, and a new level of loving all of that so that we do not allow it to stand between us and God. We do not let it stop us from having experience in this world. We do not let it become a new judgment against ourselves, moving us into a place of yet greater disturbance, maybe in another lifetime, if we don't resolve it in this one. That, that lends me to another question about... Um I know the answer can come from two different places. And one you just said, it's, it's a matter of going within, using loving acceptance and forgiveness to, to let that, uh, the thoughts or the knowledge of what, what it is to focus around to, to, so that you can direct your loving acceptance and forgiveness towards it. But the question is that of cosmic gossip. <laughs> and of what? Cosmic gossip, as, of, as I've heard it called. And knowing from, a, from past lives... The current, like you just said, if it is a lifelong lesson, it can be taken to a new lifetime and be a greater problem so that it's a bigger lesson and you really learn the lesson. Is it, I don't know if the right question is, what right do I have to know my past lives to help direct my loving acceptance and forgiveness in this lifetime to maybe direct it towards that? Did I ask that correctly? Does yeah. That make sense? So what's the answer? <laughs> well, I guess the, the the real one would be go within to the loving acceptance and forgiveness. Just just let that bring it to light. Let that bring it to knowledge. That's it. That's the answer. You know, I have found for the most part <laughs> that if when and if a past life is revealed to you, it's revealed to you at the very end of a karmic pattern. When the karma is coming to resolution, 
Then all of a sudden, Spirit go, comes up and says, well, this is what that was about. And I remember when I was younger, I would see these things come up to me, these unlearned lessons being learned, and then they would show it to me, and I'd go, well, why didn't you tell me this earlier? You know, I would have done it differently. And they said, yeah, you would have mucked it up. You would not have fulfilled this lesson because you would have gotten in the way. You would have tried to figure it out rather than just doing what needed to be done. So that's, that's the beauty of how spirit will really work with us if we will just do the spiritual action of loving, acceptance, and forgiveness, of doing the meditation, of living life responsibly, living life aware of our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and reactions, and bringing that all into harmony with that action of loving. Then it, it does really resolve, and we do become aware, and we can move forward. If we seek out past lives, trying to figure out, well, why do I have this, and what's this going on, and why are they in my life, who are they then? Oftentimes what we do is we open a door in the inner regions of the astral that allow more karma to come upon us than we really were destined to have in this lifetime. It's called opening Pandora's box. We have no idea what's in there, but our curiosity says, well, let's find out. Maybe it's gold, and maybe it's the devil. Are you willing to take a chance? Well, that's what people do when they begin to delve into past lives. They now have Pandora's box in front of them, and it's like, do I look or not? And you never know what you're going to see inside. You could open up one time, and it's wonderful. You open up another time, and it's horrific. And the thing that we have to remember is we came into this lifetime with a certain package of karmas or unlearned lessons that we were destined to fulfill, destined to have in this moment of life. Not all the other karmas were destined to come in and be manifested, experienced, completed here. Only this package. So if we will just accept that and deal with what's there, that's how we're going to bring resolution. But oftentimes our curiosity and our thought that I can control this, I can figure this out, I can make this happen, will cause us to search out all these other avenues. And yes, maybe it was Uncle Henry in another lifetime that caused a certain situation in me, caused judgment, or I judged them, that now has caused this karma. But it's important just to pay attention to what is the imbalance here in my life and not maybe the source. Because if I go in, even in meditation, or if I go to somebody who can do past life readings and they start telling me all this stuff and they connect me to Uncle Henry and in that event, I may now start judging Uncle Henry again. I don't even know who Uncle Henry is. That was another lifetime. But now I'm judging him. Well, how dare he tell me? Why, why did he take all my money? How could he control me that way? And all of a sudden what we're doing is we're compounding but also, whatever else might have been in that past life that we didn't resolve but didn't come into this life to be resolved, guess what? It follows that connection. And all of a sudden, you have a whole new clump of, of events in your life that you have to deal with that you weren't destined to handle. So don't pursue. Don't open that box because you just don't know what's going to come out.
Um, thank you for saying that about the, the past life thing. Thank you for bringing that up because I'd always felt like that was an area, I, I guess when people would ask me about you know, past life of this or that, I would say, well, I feel like I'm doing pretty good just to pay attention to this one, <laughs> you know, and there was something that always repelled me from digging into that. I felt like there was something that I shouldn't go there, and I could never put words on it, so thank you, that, that's perfect. You know, it's like that's an area that's been done and sealed, and if you open that up again, you know, you're stirring stuff up again. So thank you for for talking about that. Yeah. Um, and also, what you said at the end of what you were talking about was really profound about focusing on the source of loving in one another. And I think that summed it up. It really does about going out there in the world and being in the world, dealing with people, but still trying to focus on that source of loving, even though that person might be irritating you, or they might be angry, or they might be upset, or they might be going through their hurts, you know, or it's like try to find that source of loving in them. I think that's a huge key to staying focused in the loving in the world. So thank you for for sharing that. It was like a, a big aha when you said that. So. And the other the other thing I found is that I can or we can always do that. They don't have to. And it's a lot easier if you don't expect them to. You just focus on it in yourself and look to the loving from yourself where the loving is into the loving in them. And when you see that, believe me, there is acceptance for people, and then there's not, sure you may still experience irritations or disturbances, but when you see the loving, then there's the acceptance of that's just part of the world and it's okay. It's just part of what comes with this world, and there's not the judgment or thinking something's wrong. You know, that's probably one of the biggest things I've discovered is when we think there's something wrong, that it causes greater distraction or disturbance within ourselves. If we can look at things, even though they seem to appear wrong or distracting or whatever, that if we can really know that there's nothing wrong even in that, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. Then you also realize you don't have to figure out all the, the world's problems. You only have to figure out your own. Mm -hmm. You just focus on the loving and then things just sort out. And just like Jim was saying in the last sharing, if it's a lifelong karma, it's just like when you move into acceptance, it's okay and then no longer does it get in the way or stand between you and God? You can be spiritually free and still have that pain, so to speak, and it's okay. But now it's not in the way, whereas before it might have been in the way. And so you can do that with other people as you do that with yourself. And then you'll just giggle when you see all their little personality characteristics that used to be so irritating. Now you look at it and kind of giggle and see how they're caught up in their own little worldly process. And then you start finding it cute. Don't you know some people yeah. usually will look, you know, kids or maybe somebody, I don't want to pick on someone in the nursing home <laughs> that have lost their minds a little bit, but I find when that mind element's not there, whether they're young or elderly, that there's more of that innocence. And then you see the more the childlike behavior that is just so focused into whatever. Then you look at it and say, that's adorable, that's cute. Mm -hmm. And that's great because then you start to transcend all these things of the adult self or the conscious mind that gets in the way of that more innocence spiritually. And then you can begin to see that in everybody, even when they're doing their conscious things that are very focused and may seem disturbing. And then you say, hey, that's kind of cute actually, whereas before it wasn't. 
Well, and I found this useful for myself, too, about focusing on the source of loving within myself when I start to get into my own irritating patterns that, that I judge about myself. You know, I, I thought, well, why not? You know, why not focus on that to help, you know, cycle out of that judgment? And so. It helps. And there's times Jim and I get irritated with each other. That's why I was doing the joke earlier. But there's always at some point, whether it's within minutes or a little longer, because it usually doesn't go on that long. But when we come to this point, all of a sudden, right in the middle of the irritation, we'll look at each other and start laughing and realize the entertainment value in the irritation. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we do that. Well, I was going to say we used to do a lot more. It doesn't happen as much now because, you know, we accept how irritating each other is. <laughs> See, I'm having fun with it. Because that's what happens when you really move into that place. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to go over this way and then we'll come back around. Jim, this is a question I've been meaning to ask for a, a while now. Lifetime. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, you know, in my experience, the great teacher, and I guess for most people, is that pain taking you away from something and redirecting you towards something else. And I've actually come to accept that, you know, the pain isn't bad because it actually changes things and it's a it's a signal, you know, that, that there's a new way to move or, or something's off. But I've always been wanting to ask you this for a long time what the pain is exactly. I mean, is we talk about this level being illusion and that therefore, you know, I've said to myself or I've heard maybe wrongly that, you know, so the pain isn't really real, but it does feel real. And, you know, I, 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 I do understand the place that you can accept the pain, love the pain, and move through it quicker, but I just wonder what is it exactly? Is it, is it of spirit? Is there pain in the spiritual levels? What, what creates the pain and what, what is its, I don't know, I'm not trying to be too metaphysical, what is its essence? You know, it's like, is it, is it something we just imagine or is it to have a real grounding here? And I know it serves spirit, I do understand that part, but I'm just kind of wondering what is exactly, and is it, I guess the question, is it necessary? Is it necessary for people to have paid? Because, you know, we judge things as good or bad and then we say there is no good or bad. But yet, some things feel better than others. You know, it just seems to be a way this level works. So I was just—I've always—I've been always been interested in that question. And wanted to ask you that. Well, I think I said it earlier. In a, in a way, it's it's misexpressed loving, and it's a place within our consciousness, physical or whatever, that is now suffering from misexpressed loving. It's, it's been misplaced, misexpressed, and it causes constriction. It causes a dynamic where there is no flow or very little flow of loving through that area of our consciousness. And if that lasts long enough, it can actually materialize into the physical form and cause congestion or disturbance within the physical form. Sometimes it's energetic in how the life force is flowing through the body through the chakra system. And sometimes it's energetic and just how certain muscles constrict or whatever that might be. But it's really a place of constriction within our own consciousness that tightens up, does not allow the loving or the life force to really flow through an area fully, and that is painful. It's painful when we realize that we long for God. That's painful. Why is it painful? 
it's because we are feeling the separation. So pain within our body, pain within our, of our emotions or our mind, it's a sense of separation. It's, it's a reminder that we are doing something or allowing something or not doing something that is creating separation. And so we want to look then and see, well, what is it that I could be doing that might bring me into a greater flow, allow a greater flow, a greater movement that I could participate, that I could be doing, so that it can now expand, open, and allow. That's helpful. So let me see if I can summarize this for my own sake. Is pain then is one of our own creation, and two, it's all just part of separation. So. It's the separation that we've created that creates the pain. Is that correct? It's a good way to put it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. You want to go back and, yeah. Um, okay. Well, speaking of nursing homes and pain and separation, um, and it doesn't have to be totally specific to me, but. Um, Hopefully, you'll be able to answer in a general way for this. Uh, so I'm taking care of my mother, who's in a nursing home, who I feel um, no loving towards. I feel I can't find that any kind of innocent cuteness in her. Uh, I feel repulsed. I feel like she is a, you know, 10 ton, ton weight around my neck. Uh, I, I, my loving for her is like a stone. I mean, it is just—it's just not there. And the job of taking care of her is uh, is difficult because I don't feel I love her. But maybe it would be more difficult if I felt I loved her. But I don't feel I love her. I've never felt I've loved her. And why are you taking care of her? Uh, because it's the right thing to do, because I wouldn't want to be left alone. Uh, if I were in her situation, and I'm really the only one that... Uh, so is that not loving? I guess it might be loving, but I don't feel it's love. Uh, one of the greatest expressions that Jesus gave us about loving is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the movement of true spiritual loving. I think what I'm hearing you say is, I have no physical love for this woman. I do not have any sense of bond with her or caring for her physically. But there's something greater than that that's motivating it for you to be with her and to take care of her. And that's the spiritual loving. That's that essence of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's a quality of your own soul coming forth and sharing itself, dynamically expressing itself in that expression of doing for others as you would have them do unto you. So you're giving and sharing loving with her. Why? Because you physically love her? Because she's your mother and you feel obligated to her? Or there's something just inside of you spiritually that cares and wants to share that caring. I think this is really more of a spiritual dynamic taking place. 
And if you can begin to allow to understand that and to live in that and not expect to have a physical sense of loving with her ever or to have a physical sense of her loving you ever, then it can ease the burden. And then the burden can go away and you can be with her for that spiritual loving that you just feel for her. You give, you never expect back in return in spiritual loving. Because you know that that action of giving, the return is automatic. And it isn't necessarily to the source that you're giving to. It is how creation and how the spiritual universe participates in that dynamic flow of giving and receiving. So what you're doing, as far as I'm concerned, is that the God in you is loving the God in her and assisting the God in her to work through her karmas as you best can by being there for her, however it is. And she's a great teacher for you because you're learning from her a lot of things about yourself and a lot of things about what you've avoided or didn't want to look at or whatever it might be, whatever the lessons are, you've got to name them for yourself. I don't know them. But look and see that that's a great teacher. And really, you're a great teacher for her as well because you're demonstrating to her a caring, a neutrality, a loving that she's never felt worthy of and never really allowed in. And I don't know, but I would bet that she still struggles with it and really doesn't want to allow it in even though you keep presenting it to her. And that's the frustration. So allow her her space and her action, but also allow your own. Allow yourself to be aware that she's never going to change in this lifetime, that who she is is who she is, and this is her lifelong karma. And it won't be until she takes her last breath and gets on the other side and she looks back on it from a greater neutrality to all of this existence and not caught up in the karmas that she will be able to look and say, oh, that's the lesson. And the lesson will be learned. All you have to do is walk with her up to that place where she takes the last breath and know at that moment the lesson is learned. And she'll go on, you'll go on with your life, and you may never come back together again in any existence. And she may come back in a few weeks and go, thank you, in a dream state, in a meditative state, because of what you helped her to fulfill. There's reason why you're together. I wouldn't try to figure that out. I would just bless it. And I would turn to God and say, Lord, whatever this is about, I ask you to assist me in it. I ask you to help me to bring clarity and loving and the movement of resolution. And that resolution is the grace of the Holy Spirit. If we will look for resolution and realize loving, acceptance, and forgiveness is the resolution of everything that we are here to experience and do those things, the resolution, which is the grace, is automatically present. It doesn't mean it's going to ease the burden with your mom. It doesn't mean it's going to make it simpler or that it's going to go away. But it does mean that you can approach it differently. And you don't have to walk around with the burden or walk away with the burden that sometimes you feel with her. 
and you don't have to take on the judgments that she and you have created together. Rather, you can be freer of it. This is a path of freedom and liberation. So look to see how do you find that freedom inside yourself. What is freedom? What freedom do you want with her? And then begin to look and see, how do I find that freedom? Well, my freedom would be that I don't ever have to go and visit her in the nursing home again. <laughs> well, that may be eventually the freedom when she takes her last breath. <laughs> you know, I went through that with my own father. And I know how that is. It's a challenge to go and be with somebody who is in their own process. But if you can allow her to live her own destiny, her own lessons that are unlearned, and let her run them and run them and run them and run them, but don't let, her run her, let, don't let her run them on you. And don't let yourself take them on as yours and start living them as yours. You as a daughter have accepted that you are going to help her to have a physical life as filled with ease and less complication as possible. And you've done that. But it doesn't mean that you have to answer everything or make her life wonderful. She's the one who has to do that. All you can do is fulfill what you feel you are to fulfill. And why are you doing it? Because there's something inside of you that is looking to be fulfilled through this action with her. And you will find that fulfillment. It may not be till she takes her last breath, but you will find that fulfillment. I can guarantee that. And in truth, you already have. If you look, if you really look, you have found the fulfillment already. All you have to do is allow it in at every moment. Allow yourself to live in the gratitude of who you are and how you're doing, even though it works against you to be doing this sometimes. There's another part of you that's greater than that that is winning. That's your fulfillment. Many times when I close my eyes to meditate and focus on the spiritual eye, I find my physical eyes trying to look right here. And even to the point where I get the eyes around the muscle fatigue. But I've also found it seems like when my physical eyes do go to a certain place, I am able to see the purple light. And I was just wondering, is that just me or is that a, a common sensation? I think that's pretty common. I think that when we focus up, we always tend to have our eyes follow where we're looking, inside, outside. And so it's not uncommon for the eyes to begin to look up towards that place where we're holding our attention. Uh, if you find that your eyes get physically, physical eyes get tired, see if you can find a way to relax them but still hold your attention here. Uh, and oftentimes when you do have one-pointed focus, and, and it truly is one-pointed focus. The eyes also look up almost cross-eyed to a one-pointed focus inside. And that's when we can have the greater clarity, the greater insight, the greater vision, the greater knowing, the greater hearing, just because of that one-pointed focus. 
So it's not uncommon for that to happen. Another thing that I've observed that I've never heard anyone talk about is um, light that looks like lightning bolts. Is, is that a physical sensation or is that a spiritual one? That's an inner thing. Okay. There's uh, realms of thunder and lightning, uh, levels of thunder and lightning that we go to, through as we begin to move into that out-of-body experience. And so seeing lightning, hearing thunder, is an awakening into that level of our soul consciousness. Now, it doesn't mean you're moving to the soul realm, but the soul is waking up. The soul is coming aware of inner awarenesses, inner realities, inner realms. And that's the beginning stage of that thunder and lightning. Okay, thank you. Yeah. If you see a Zeus, say hello. <laughs> Uh, I think Joan had her hand up. Did you have your hand up earlier? If you want to, and then we'll come forward. Uh, uh, you've been giving some, some wonderful thoughts this morning. I appreciate it, uh, the, the insight. Uh, focusing on seat of the soul, uh, to me it's like... Uh, abiding, uh, basking in an alertness, a uh, consciousness, and and then seeing what what unfolds. And if a person is, is irritant or uh, is to see myself as not judging anything, but hopefully discover um, uh, what my own uh, response is not knowing what it, it it will be, but to stay in that point of of loving uh, alertness and, and let it resolve and unfold any part of my day or life or our activity, uh, whether uh, whatever it is that's happening uh, in the world around me, and and uh, that's what what I try to, to to discover and uh, hopefully not even judging myself because that can be a distraction to discovering um, what uh, what my part is in in the game or in the the activity of, of whatever it is that's uh, my future to, to take place which I, I, I hear you imply that that's how other stuff drops away, is to, is to be in the game. Thank it's you. A, it's important to enter into all experience without expectation, whether it be in the outer or the inner. And it's wonderful to be able to hold our attention at the seat of the soul, at the seat of the soul inside, and, and loving, and then live that loving from the inside out, with our eyes open, eyes closed, to be able to, to move that energy into our daily experience. And to not expect or try for anything in that action, but just to be. It's a state of beingness. It's a state of awakening. It's a state of awareness. And it's a state of doing. We're doing, 
but we're doing with a different action, a different awareness than before. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you're looking for that clarity, you're having that experience of clarity in those times when you can begin to move that. And that's all we want to do is to be able to live in that space. Some people call it neutrality. Some people call it peace. Some people call it stillness. It's whatever you wouldn't want to call it. But it is a dynamic place of centeredness where loving resides within us. And as we live in that centeredness more, it will express itself in all that we do. Eyes open, eyes closed, meditating, sleeping, doing the world. Does that answer what you were? Thank you. Yeah. I also have a mother in decline, and so that was very helpful, uh, her question and the answer that you gave. I'm working with her in a real interesting way, and that, that seems to feel really good. My um, challenge and my question is more dealing with my siblings. and. I find myself going into judgment a lot and then coming back to center and then just going crazy with it and then coming back to center. So I feel like that a lot of that is the lesson for me also. Um, I keep finding myself finding, uh, seeing new parts that I play in our little triangle of my sisters and I. And I'm wondering how is the best way that I would love to not go out into that judgment so much. Um, often when I'm with them, I'm very clear about the loving between us and knowing that they're doing what they're able to do. And I've continued to say, let's all do what we're willing to do um, in this scenario. But when I'm not with them, I, I find myself going off on these little tangent judgment things that I would love to not go there because I don't see it helping at all. So that's... The, the one word I hear in all that that you haven't really voiced is the word expectation. Yes, and I wrote that down when you said go in with no expectation because I thought, okay, that's what, what I keep doing is expecting something different. Um, well, you, you said something Hoping. very meaningful, too, and that is uh, allowing each of us to do what we're willing to do. And that's a wonderful place to be with somebody if we really can be there. Yes. And we can be with them while we're in the physical form and say, look, I'm willing to, to do whatever it is. We'll, we'll do this together. I, I allow you to do whatever it is you're willing to do. I'll do whatever I'm willing to do. And then they leave, and then we get frustrated because they aren't willing to do what I want them to do. And that's expectation. Or not, or they won't, they'll say they're willing to do something that they're not willing to do. And right. I have to figure that out and try not to judge that also. Well, and also they may be willing in the moment, mm -hmm. but they're not able. Yeah. And so it's really finding that way of acceptance, accepting them as they are and accepting their actions and their reactions in the moment and finding that way to be in loving with them as best we can and also allow yourself to go into reaction with them 
because all of a sudden you do feel a greater burden, uh, uh, less than, pushed away, expected to be, or whatever it might be. Allow yourself to go into reaction, but then see if you can find that way out of that reaction as quickly as possible. Because sometimes by going into reaction, we can begin to see the solution quicker than if we put a barrier up and, and we do not allow the energy to move. Energy moving always leads to a better place. Energy dammed up takes us nowhere. So if we think that we always have to be loving with our sister, with our brother, with our mother, with our father, or whoever, and judge ourselves because we're not loving with them, we create a dam and we stop the flow of energy. We stop that expression with them. And everybody gets hurt. Better to allow yourself to go into reaction, maybe just within yourself, maybe with them out loud, but in that action, also be listening. Pay attention to see if you can find the resolution. And it isn't about them. It's like, why am I reacting? Why am I upset? What's taking place inside of me that's making me go against them, that's judging them, that's fearing them, that's pushing against them, whatever? And, and see if you can find what that is inside. For me, oftentimes it's disappointment because I see that they're not able to live up to their true nature. They aren't able to fulfill what they would like to fulfill, what they said they want to fulfill, but they aren't able to do that. They can't find that inside of them to live the truth of who they are. And that's a disappointment, especially when they place it out there that they're going to be just that. So then go into that disappointment and look and see how do I enter into relationship with you with that understanding. That truth, you're disappointing yourself. You're not disappointing me. You're disappointing yourself because you're not able to live up to the truth of who you are. So then how can I assist you in living to the truth of who you really are? Well, I'm going to love you and accept you and forgive you right now, just in this moment. And in that, and in that acceptance, and in that loving, and in that forgiveness, I'm going to give you the space to see if you can find a way to step one more step further into the truth of who you are. And maybe it's just to give them a chance to be truthful with you and say, I don't want to do this. I don't care how burdened you are by it. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And allow them to live that truth. Maybe they're holding back that truth because they themselves are denying that truth, or maybe they're holding back that truth because they don't want to hurt you. So give them that space and say, hey, say whatever it is you want to say. Just share with me your truth so I know where we both are and I know my role then to fulfill. And it's about communication. It's beginning to have a different level of communication than you may, maybe you're having right now. Mm -hmm. So that it could be more honest, more open, more vulnerable, more allowing, more loving than it is right now. The other party may not be able to do that. And then you just have to say, okay. And don't even look to them, don't expect from them, don't ask of them. You just do what you can and are able to do. And then see if they can step up to the plate without you even having to express it. That's another way that it might happen. 
I, I saw that when uh, I was in, in Canada when my mom had a stroke, and I could have rushed back, although she wasn't in any danger, but I didn't. And I didn't on purpose just to see if they would step up to the plate. And then I thought, oh, I'm being manipulative by not doing that. And then I thought, no, I don't have, you know, I don't have to do it all. So I'm wanting to feel like that I'm still taking care of myself in the process of this where, I mean, people go through this every day, all the time, and that all of it, and it's, I can see it as such a gift to be able to communicate better with with my siblings and in a more honest, open fashion. And the key words there, I'm taking care of myself in all of this. That's key, to ever be aware. How am I taking care of myself in all of this? I'm ever having to remind myself. He's ever having to remind myself. <laughs> and that's something that's key if we're going to walk this path and fulfill it is how am I taking care of myself? Because that's all what it's all about. It's not about others. It's about myself. And so we have to pay attention to that and be a little bit selfish. There's a healthy selfish and an unhealthy selfish. Healthy selfish is we are taking care of ourselves. We are putting things in priority. And we hold to that priority. And my priorities are my meditation, my self-study and my service. Service to myself first and then service to others. If I can keep those priorities in line, everything else falls into place. But if I let one of those get out of alignment or go into a, a closed down expression, then everything falls apart, inside and out. So pay attention and, and do just what you said. You did that for the right reason because I'm taking care of myself first. And then you can find that place inside of you as to how you want to participate, how you want to share, how you do want to be in action with this. And then it isn't out of, I have to, expectation, need, want. It's out of loving. And it's out of caring for yourself and for the self in others. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's actually time to bring it to a close. I didn't realize what time it was. I guess because we started late, the energy's still there. <laughs> well, why don't we just, pardon? Okay. Do you have one more thing you wanted to ask? It wasn't asking, well, it's uh, telling myself, like without expectation or, or judgment, uh, maybe my own uh, solution to, for the space uh, that will be my own fulfillment or my own enlightenment. And if I stick with this expectation thing, it ain't going to happen for me because I need to be alert. Uh, you know, as you said, the phrase people have, it's all about me, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to come to my own uh, uh, answer. That's good. All right, I guess we'll see you all next Saturday, maybe, at, at Target, if you can make it. We'd love to see you. And next Sunday here at the center.